0: Welcome to FPC Meridian Sermon Podcast. In this sermon, our head pastor, Dr. Rhett Payne, studies the book of Romans. We pray that God's hand would be upon you as you listen to the faithful preaching of his word. Let's begin. Today's installment is Abraham's Faith and Your Faith. We'll be reading from Romans chapter 4, selected verses there. My sources include R.C. Sproul's The Righteous Shall Live by Faith, his commentary on Romans, uh, Kent Hughes's book on Romans from Preaching the Word, uh, John R. W. Stott, The Message of Romans from the Bible Speaks Today, and a message by John Piper, Faith and the Imputation of Righteousness. Romans 4, we'll read the first five verses and then we'll skip a few verses and pick it back up at verse 13. So please stand with me for the reading of God's Holy Word. Romans chapter 4, starting at verse 1. This is the word of God. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. And skipping to verse 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, And the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Verse 18, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death. For our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this your word. We thank you for the gospel and how wonderful this news is that we who are sinners, who are without any hope of salvation, of going to heaven, being with you in your presence, are now rescued by the death of Jesus Christ the Lord. And not only by his death, but by his life and by his resurrection from the dead. And so we praise you, Lord Jesus, and exalt your name. In your name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. I don't know if you've ever had the time or taken the time to read the Guinness Book of World Records. It's pretty entertaining. Some of you may have tried to get in the book in some way. Some of these that I'm going to share with you, you don't want to be in the book. How much did the heaviest man weigh? For any of you on a diet, this will make you feel a lot better. The heaviest man ever, 1,400 pounds, John Brower Minnoch. He died in 1983 at the age of 42. Weighed 1,400 pounds. And you know, some of the NBA players could almost get this close, but not quite. Uh, How tall was the tallest man of modern times? Robert Wadlow was 8 feet 11 inches tall. He wore a size 37 double A shoe. The world record for bearing the most children. This just does not seem possible, but 69. 69 children set by a Russian peasant woman who had, ladies, this will make you not feel well, eight sets of twins, seven sets of triplets, four sets of quads. The oldest mother on record, Maria Del Carmen Busada de Lala, who was 66 years old, 358 days when she gave birth to twins she lied to the doctors at the fertility clinic saying she was 55 years old sadly she died several years later of cancer she was diagnosed shortly after giving birth but I, I think uh, I heard it over there the, I want to correct that one because really the oldest I know the, the Guinness Book of World Records is infallible right but The oldest woman to give birth was actually the beautiful Sarah. According to antiquity, one of the most beautiful women in the world. The wife of Abraham, the subject of our text today, who conceived at age 90 and gave birth at age 91. We call Abraham Father Abraham because of the promise God made to him, I will make you into a great nation. You remember his name was Abram in the early parts of Genesis, but then God changed his name in chapter 17 of Genesis to Abraham, Avraham, and Avraham means father of a multitude. So again, this to a man, God's promise came to a man who at the time had no children. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls Abraham the father of our faith, so If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you're a child of Abraham, whether you're Jewish or not. As we move to Genesis chapter 15, we find that God had given Abraham or Abram these incredible promises which hinged on the founding of a family line. God told Abram that he would be a father of the people of God and a blessing to many, many nations. But the odds were really stacked against that because Abram had no children. There didn't seem to be any prospect of him having any children, given to him and his wife, given especially their age. Abram was 75 years old when God called him and said to him, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. Now think about that for a moment. God has not, as of yet, renamed Abram, so for now he's Abram. And God says, leave everything that is familiar to you and go to a place that I will show you. All right, just out of curiosity, how many of you have lived at least 250 miles away from where you were born? At some point in your life, raise your hand. Okay, many of you. In Abram's day, leaving family, moving away, never happened. Never happened. In Abram's day, people were born, and they would live their entire lives in that same place where they were born. So there was no moving. Some of you have done that, and I understand that. You know know how much security there is in staying where you were. But for those of you that have not stayed in one place, you understand that's pretty insecure for you at times. It is unusual for our day and age to talk about someone who stayed in one place... It's very unusual since today the average person moves six times in their lifetime. And so I'm above the average. Don and I have moved nine times. Abram says, we kind of like it here. (laughs) We kind of like it here. God says, too bad. I want you to leave it all. So he says, okay, well, where are we going to go? To the land that I will show you. No details at this point, And I want to tell you, that's not much information to give to Sarai or Sarah, Abram's wife. And from my experience, wives want to know about these kind of things. All right. Yet we read in Genesis 12, verse four. So Abram went as the Lord told him. So we're studying today about Abram or Abraham, the man of faith. Three lessons. Here's the first. Number one, Abraham's faith. We're always told that Abraham was a model of faith. But if you know his story, you might might wonder about that. and, And maybe you know his story. But if you don't, after telling Abraham that he would father a great nation, he reminds God in Genesis 15 that he has no children. He even says that his servant will be his heir. If you read Genesis 15, verses 4 through 6, He's got this plan. You know, it's kind of like you and I. we we got a plan. We, we got this plan. we got it figured out, God. How do you like my plan? God doesn't like his plan. Verse 6 in chapter 15 of Genesis that I read just a few minutes. In fact, well, let's just go ahead and turn there. Genesis 15. Turn to Genesis 15 and I'll read it to you. Genesis 15, 4 through 6. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir. Now, what he what his plan was, was, you know, I've got this servant. He can, he can be the one through whom we can have an heir. He, he can be my heir. So he says, basically, you've given me no children, so I've got this plan for a servant in my own household who will be my heir. Eliezer. So verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then verse 6 it says this, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as Righteousness. So I would think that verse is familiar to you because we just read that in Romans chapter 4. But my, my question for you today is, when we talk about Abraham, was Abraham, the man of faith, always faithful? Was Abraham, the man of faith, always faithful? Well, it appears not. It appears not. In Genesis 12, when traveling to Egypt, Abraham says to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman that you are. And so, look back again in Genesis 12. Look in Genesis 12, and let's read verses 12 and 13. I know what a beautiful woman you are, it says in verse 11. In verse 12, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and, and then they will kill me because... But they will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. So... Abraham's struggling with his faith, don't you think? Just a little bit. Sarah went along with Abraham's plan, and when Pharaoh figures it out, he seems more concerned with doing the right thing than Abraham does. And get this when we come to Genesis 20, Abraham does this same thing again. He lies, basically, again. And and it gets worse. After 11 years of waiting for a child, Sarah says to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children, so go sleep with my slave. And so, there you have. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Did Abraham say no? Did he say, wait, let's trust God? No, he didn't say that. The Bible says that Abraham agreed with his wife's plan. He slept with Hagar, and it turned out to be a disaster. Thirteen years later, God tells Abraham that Sarah will bear him a child. And so what was Abraham's response this time? He laughed. He laughed. Genesis 17, 17. Sarah's response. She was afraid and she too laughed at the idea. And God called Sarah on it. She denied it. But God said to her pointedly, you did laugh. You did laugh. And that became the child's name. A child was conceived and born, and they named him Isaac, which means he laughs. So in our text, Paul says that Abraham didn't waver in his belief. Now think about this for a moment. He didn't waver in his belief that he believed beyond all hope that he was fully persuaded of God's power and ability. And since Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, no one knew this story of Abraham better than, than Paul did. So what is Paul's thinking in our text? That Abraham obeyed God when he had no idea who God was. That Abraham was to start from scratch. That there was no Old Testament in this day and age. There was no Ten Commandments. There was no Moses, no story of King David or the Psalms. There was no stories about the Lord God. Abraham had zero information about God. So, when I see Abram stumbling in faith, it appears to me to be stumbling in faith, I forget this last point that I just made. Abraham had zero information about God. So, look with me in Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24, verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. So Abraham was raised like everyone else in his time. Abraham was raised in a pagan world. Genesis 12 is the first encounter with a living, all-powerful, personal God. And in this God Abraham is told to follow, he went. He did exactly what God told him. He was an average man who was told to trust God A God he had never seen, who promised to provide him with a son. Ultimately, he realized he couldn't pull this off, that only God could. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Abram examined the circumstances. He recognized the human impossibility of fathering a child with Sarai, and yet he remained convinced that God could and would do what he promised to do. Somehow. In fact, Abram's faith in God is held up in Scripture as a paragon of saving faith. And so my point is, Abraham did not waver. Abraham's faith was everything he said it was because he had nothing to go on except what God told him. So the first lesson is Abraham's faith. The second lesson is God's grace. God's grace. Look in verse 16 of our text in Romans 4. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. So God is promising Abram the impossible. And what does the Bible say? It says that Abram believed the Lord. And what does Scripture say in verse 3 of our text in Romans 4? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So this verse is one of the reasons why Abraham is considered the primary example in the Old Testament of the life of faith. But what you need to remember here is the hero of this story is not Abraham. Who's the hero of the story? It's God. God is the hero of the story. Because the only way Abraham could believe God... Is because God gave him the ability to believe and trust him. You see, Terah, his father, may have had a lot bigger faith. But he had faith in the wrong God. He worshipped pagan gods. Abram's faith struggled at times. But that's okay. He always ended up trusting God in the end. He had a little faith at times. But he had a big God. So... Again, Terah, Abram, who had the most faith, doesn't really matter. The bottom line is, Abram trusted God when it counted. It's not about the size of your faith. It's about the size of your God. You know, not long before his death, Henry Nowen wrote a book called Sabbatical Journeys. And in that book, he wrote about some of his friends who were trapeze artists. They were called the Flying Rudellas. They told now and there's a special relationship between the flyer and the catcher. The catcher on the trapeze. The flyer is the one who does what? Let's go. I mean, I can't imagine doing this. The catcher is the one who does what? Catches. (laughs) As the flyer swings high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when the flyer has to do what? Turn loose and let go. He he arcs out into the air. His job is to remain as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him from the air. And so here's what one of the flying rudellas told Nowin: Quote, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him but he must wait. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how hard it is if you're that, one of those flying trapeze artists to wait to be caught when you're flying through the air? That's exactly what they have to do. And that's really what you and I are charged to do, is to wait in faith. Abraham had to do the same thing. That's very, very difficult. We studied this, this summer the five solas that Bo led us through in the Protestant Reformation. And though there are five, there are three that really speak to the subject matter in our text today, that of justification by faith. And what are those three? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Those are the three that really matter. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So we have Abraham's faith, we have God's grace, and then the final is our faith. Do you have any faith? Do you have faith in the right object? Because faith, if it's to have any value, must be placed in a valuable object. And so verse 23 of our text says this, The words it was credited, look at verse 23 with me, The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. I want to make sure you understand what Paul is getting at here. Faith credited as righteousness sounds like faith recognized as righteousness. But I don't think that's what he means. Is your legal standing with God as a righteous person based on what he is or based on what you are? I think you know the answer to that question. It's not based on what you are. It's based on what he is. And so look in the text again at Romans 4, verses 6 and 11. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And then skipping to verse 11. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he, Abraham, is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. You know, I think if you like to shop, you understand what credit means. And I don't know about you, but I like to see a credit on my statement. I'd rather see a credit than a debit. You know, I like to see money going back into my account rather than money coming out of my account. And so if I make a purchase on Amazon and then send it back, I'm looking for that credit. I want to see the plus sign. I want to see money going back into my account rather than being taken off of my account. So what is it being credited to your account in the eyes of God? Righteousness. And yet we have no righteousness in ourselves. God is the righteous one. And yet through faith in Jesus Christ, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ admitting our unrighteousness. And this table is a perfect example of that. We come admitting that we have no righteousness in ourselves. And God is the righteous one. Jesus Christ is the righteous one. And he, God, credits into our account the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that goes beyond, as I said a little bit ago, it goes beyond just his death on the cross. It's also his perfect life. We are saved by his life in the sense that Jesus Christ is. Fulfilled all righteousness. And if he had not, he wouldn't have been that perfect sacrifice that died on the cross. But he was for us. You know, the thing is, I'm not Jewish, but I am Israeli. I'm the Israel of God because of faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're not Jewish, but Christian, you too are the Israel of God. You, too, are a child of Abraham. And that brings us to our verse of the week, which is Galatians 3, verse 29. Galatians 3, verse 29. A short verse, but it says a lot. Read it out loud with me, please. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your plan for us Father God, we thank you for our father, our spiritual father, Abraham, who believed you, Lord, against all hope. He did not waver in unbelief, but trusted your promise. When you took him outside and said, look at the stars of the sky, count them if you can. So will be your ancestors. So so will be your your. Your are heirs that will inherit the promise that I'm giving to you. And so, Father, we thank you that we who believe, we who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, are heirs of that promise. And so we belong to that same family of faith. Lord, not because of something we did, but because of something that you did. And as we come to this table now, Lord we come remembering what a beautiful picture this is of the gospel, that we have no righteousness in ourselves. But by trusting in Jesus Christ, you credit that as righteousness to our account. Show us what that means, Lord. Give us that peace that passes all understanding to know that by coming to you in faith and repentance of our sins, you wipe our slate clean. You cleanse us completely of all of our sins. And so, too, we become a child of Abraham. But more importantly, a child of the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Even Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name I pray. Amen.